0: Welcome to episode 20 of the Luke Messias Show. Welcome back, guys. For those of you who missed last week's episode, it was a conversation between Thomas Umstead and Brad Pierce regarding um, a discussion that's happening amongst Fellow pro life Texans on the approach of gradualism versus the approach of abolition when it comes to how to address the pro life issue. I received a ton of very positive feedback from that conversation, had lawmakers and activists and um, all sorts of people on both sides of that discussion reach out and uh, thank me for just putting on the discussion if you haven't had a chance to listen to it please do take um, just a little bit of time it's an hour hour and a half long so it's definitely not one you can um, necessarily get through in one sitting unless you just really love listening to discussions that much but getting right on to this week's and again you know we um, just to remind everybody we kind of have a format here where Every other week, we just do a very quick update on news, politics, events, and then every other week, we try to have a sit-down discussion with someone uh, who's in some way involved in conservative policy, conservative politics, or things like this, where we have a policy discussion on the issue, uh, issues of abortion, guns, things like that. So that being said, let's get right into an update on what's going on in uh, news politics and and special things going on in Texas. So um, Rice University released their rankings, Mark Jones, more specifically, the political science professor at Rice University one of probably the most respected political science professor in the state of Texas and Mark and I have had a conversation he's going to be coming on the podcast here shortly which we are excited about but he released his rankings and if you want to go uh, read his commentary on it you can go to tribtalk.org um this these are rankings that I enjoy looking at now I want to explain to um, you know our listeners what these are um, and at the end of the day Mark takes Uh, basically every single vote, um, and he explains it a little further in his piece, but in a sense, these are contested votes, um, and he takes those votes and puts them into an algorithm that basically determines um, how often you are or are not working with the other side of the aisle. And essentially, um, if you're working with if you are voting with the Democrat caucus more than all of your Republican colleagues, um, which would be representative of Sarah Davis um, from the Houston area, then you are ranked as the most liberal Uh, Republican. And if you are voting with Democrats less than anybody else, you're considered the most conservative Republican, which is Representative Briscoe Cain from Baytown. And then um, if you're on the Democrat side, again, if you are Democrats that are constantly voting with the majority of Republicans, even against the majority of Democrats, then you're considered amongst the most conservative Democrats. And then if you are never voting with Republicans and Democrats, you're always voting, you know, against the Republican majority, even if let's say 30 40 democrats are siding with them then you're considered among the most liberal um, democrats so that is an understanding there are two great write-ups that y'all can look at TribTalk.org, also the texan.news mackenzie taylor did a great job overviewing um, the study and what she did which i found really fascinating was that she looked at just how much exists current lawmakers or returning lawmakers had changed from their rankings last session so uh, for example i i gave representative Justin Holland and Tom Oliverson shout outs. Jay Dean doesn't have a Twitter account, but if he did, I would, because um, those three lawmakers were among uh, some of the Republicans that jumped most significantly, meaning that two years ago, they were voting with the Democrat caucus significantly more than they voted with the Democrat caucus um, this time around. And then also um, you had just some notable, noticeable declines. A lot of people have talked about these different individuals and, um, but representatives uh, Leach, Click, Sanford and Burroughs fell significantly just when it comes to their rankings in comparison to sessions before. Again, the Texan.news has just a great write-up that looks at all the lawmakers and shows you who's going up and down. But the last big observation from it is this. Uh, Mark Jones noted that the 12 Democrats that are representing seats that were taken Um, in the 2018 election. So these are historically Republican districts that are now being represented by Democrats. Those 12 Democrats are all ranked uh, in the liberal wing of the Democrat caucus. And what does that mean? Um, Well, surprise, surprise, Democrats actually believe what they run on. These Democrat lawmakers ran on being progressive leftists who had an agenda and wanted to vote according to that agenda. And they got to Austin and they didn't say, well, in order to keep this seat, I'm going to vote with Republicans as much as possible. This is the type of attitude that most conservatives are frustrated that they did not see out of their own Republican lawmakers this last session. If you look at Republicans, uh, many of whom, you know, dropped significantly, Morgan Meyer, Jeff Leach, uh, many of them were in districts that Beto O'Rourke won this last um, election cycle. And so many times lawmakers were, um, you know, saying that they should moderate, that they should stop voting according to the principles that they have previously held due to, um, you know, the fact that their district is, is um, significantly moving in, in a more left direction. And so the question is, which of those perspectives is more beneficial from an advancement of conservative policy and from a maintaining your control in the legislature. And that's yet to be determined. We have yet to see whether or not Democrats who voted far left will be punished. Um, but our hope is that law, uh, you know, individual Constituents within their districts will. And we've yet to see whether lawmakers who started to go to the middle a little bit will be rewarded. But the reality is that it wasn't helpful to not have so many Republicans advancing strong conservative issues this last legislative session and the results showed for themselves. Now, though, to their credit, Republicans did get Democrats on record on a handful of very controversial issues. Um, They weren't the type of votes that actually advanced policy too much. Um, Conservatives do like to see conservative policy actually advanced instead of more uh, show votes at times. But there are a handful of issues that Democrats were gotten on the record on. And and the question is whether these uh, 12 freshman Democrats who all represent really um, middle Of the line districts uh, will be held accountable by their voters but um, jeff leach was able to pass a constitutional amendment that will now get voted on this november which will ban a statewide income tax and then also um, representative leach was able to pass the born alive infant protection act which did not further protect children from infanticide and this is just my opinion other people could have their opinions but i don't think that anybody uh who was going to commit infanticide will not as a result of Jeff Leach's bill. What does that mean? It means that infanticide was already illegal in Texas. So if you were going to kill a child after it was born, we were going to punish you significantly. Jeff Leach simply increased the level of punishment um, Uh, a little bit. I don't know that that will prevent anybody from doing so, but it was great to get so many Democrats on the record, uh, supporting essentially, uh, New York style laws, which say that infanticide can be legal. And, um, these are the type of cultural battles that we are having today. And it's the type of cultural battles that Texans need to be ready to engage in moving into the future. So Rice university's rankings are out. You can look at where your lawmaker, how they went up or down. Um, again, Rice university doesn't rank whether or not, we had a conservative session or not. Okay, it also just takes the votes that come. One of conservatives' big uh, beefs with this session was that many conservative issues just never got to the floor. And so keep that in mind, too, when you look at Rice University's ranking. The Texas uh, Fiscal Responsibility Index was also released by Empowered Texans, and you can go to their website to see their rankings. Um, And they have noted that there were significantly less taxpayer champions than they've had in sessions in the past. Go there, look at your lawmakers' rankings, and see where your State senator or state representative um, fall, and then look at the individual votes. You know, one of the things is you'll see a lot of different lawmakers that complain with every single one of these rankings or scorecards that come out. But what I encourage people to do is go to an individual's page. And by the way, there were uh, you know state senator Republicans who I respect, admire, have a relationship with, who didn't do too well. And I had different individuals who said, I can't believe that guy scored so poorly, and and almost mentioned it in light of him um, uh, being critical to empower. Texans for um, not ranking him better, but you know one of the questions I asked was, have you gone to the ranking and looked at the votes he cast, and can you say which ones you think he should have been rated positively for? Can you say one of the votes that he took that you think actually um, put him on the side for taxpayers instead of against them in the votes that he's cast? And so, um, anyways, go look at the fiscal responsibility index and 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 take a look at what that is. Um, also, we just had a local election runoffs. And there were a couple big elections that I want to talk to you about. Even though Texans are all across the state, there were two localities that I want to bring to your attention. One was a great win for taxpayers, and that was the city of Plano. Shelby Williams and Lily Bao were victorious in their runoff elections. And this puts a governing majority of conservatives on the Plano City Council. And one of the biggest victories, in my opinion, was Shelby Williams, who ran against a gentleman named Ron Kelly. Ron Kelly, for those of you in the DFW area, you might be familiar with him, but he is somebody who initially ran on a conservative, uh, limited government, anti-taxes platform, and then he got to council and decided to become a dealmaker, and it significantly affected his voting record um, because he started voting against taxpayers. And so not only did Lily Bow win the open seat, but Shelby Williams defeated Ron Kelly, sending a message to hopefully local officials across the state that if you run with the support of conservatives on one conservative platform and then you betray them and start voting against their interest, then that there will be consequences to your actions and so if you're in the plano area if you are one of the conservative activists across the state that was working in that district congratulations well fought we're really rejoicing with you even down here in the san antonio area for your victories there and speaking of san antonio san antonio had a huge runoff election and i had a number of yard signs in rental homes that i have in san antonio for greg brockhouse um, who was running for mayor there he was a clearly articulate right of center option for the citizens of San Antonio and he came up short receiving 49% of the vote against Ron Nuremberg, the sitting mayor, who I think came under fire most notably for um, you know his bigotry against uh, Chick-fil-A for their Christian values and the worldviews that they hold. And so um, that was a defeat for conservatives, but it's something to still be somewhat encouraged about. I mean, for those of you who haven't spent a lot of time in San Antonio around San Antonio politics, you uh, wouldn't know that 49 uh, Nine percent is tremendous when it comes to a clearly identified right of center candidate in the city. This is an urban center. This is a very left of center city when it comes to uh, the general demographics of the city of San Antonio. And with Greg Brockhouse getting such a strong showing, it is real proof that even middle of the road urban centers are starting to become dissatisfied with leftists running their cities. And, you know, we have an upcoming battle with the city of Houston um, and, uh, you know, keeping, I would encourage conservatives to keep their eyes on that mayoral race as well because you're about to have several individuals who are in the center and right of center run in these a very large the largest urban area in texas and seeing where that election goes um will be definitely something to to keep your eyes on but when it comes to the city of san antonio it's an unfortunate loss for conservatives but i would be encouraged that um, so many voters seem to be waking up to the fact that our cities should not be run by leftists. And last but not least, I just want to talk about the fact of the, something all of us know, but, but there is a growing gap, especially post-session that's being recognized between elected officials and uh, normal Republican voters. And some people say grassroots voters. Some people could say Republican precinct chairman, uh, you know, activists, delegates, all of these individuals who are the lifeblood of a lot of the work that goes into conservative um, politics and conservative policies. But honestly, I think the gap is also between just normal voters, the guy who's a 3 R Republican that you'd go knock on his door. And um, the reality is that they are not happy with the legislative session. And so Republicans are starting to go back home and I'm already getting reports from different uh grassroots individuals who are calling me saying, oh, I just left a town hall for my Republican state representative, and he just defended every single thing they'd ever done. And so I wanted to, you know, speak to that in in just a quick way. I wanted to, um, one, just give a point. I talked to another lawmaker, um, and this is a Republican, very conservative state representative who went and met with two large groups of conservative constituents within his district, and he didn't have the same blowback that other Republican lawmakers had. And that's because, um he didn't try to walk in and say this was the most conservative session ever. And it was we were rock stars and we did everything we wanted. and We kept all our promises to you and you should be really encouraged and vote for conservatives uh, and Republicans in 2020. Instead, he went in and really sold accurately what people got which is the fact that, yes, we got a handful of victories and we can go through those lists of victories. There was some victory. There was a key victory for religious liberty led by Representative Matt Krause and Brian Hughes. There was um, a very small, tiny victory on the abortion issue when it comes to saying that future cities can't contract with abortion providers. And um, and, you know, we had property tax caps on cities and counties starting in 2020, property tax caps on schools starting in 2021 and five billion dollars of property tax relief, which is significantly more than the legislature originally wanted to give to Texans. They started out with a plan to give them 2.7 billion. And because of the pressure from the conservatives, they increased that number to 5 billion. And so there are a handful of victories that you can give to your constituents. But the reality is, if you walk into a room and try to convince these people that Republicans in Texas don't have an issue when it comes to the disconnect between our legislature and the normal voters, then it shouldn't be received well by your constituents. Um, so one, you know, don't, try to defend the budget if you are people going around the state of texas it's not helpful the budget was significantly larger than it has been in quite some time the last time it was even close to this big it was a little bigger you know the wall street journal wrote an article saying texas is going sacramento so the reality is after that criticism and after a lot of conservatives came into the legislature uh, following that session we had two back-to-back budgets that fit within the conservative budget um, ideology, which is population plus inflation. And this went significantly above that. And so acknowledge the fact that the budget spent more money than we should reasonably have spent. And not only that, that that was only based on assuming that the economy is going to do very well for the next two years. And if the economy doesn't, we are going to come back next session with a hole to fill. And we've already spent $6 billion from our savings account. And so we are not even putting ourselves in a position to weather a storm well when that storm inevitably comes. Um, I think Republican lawmakers across the state need to be able to explain to grassroots individuals at Republican meetings all throughout the summer that the failures of Texas when it comes to our willingness to address the life issue, like all of our neighboring states with heartbeat legislation, abolition legislation, legislation that makes much stronger stances is a Republican issue. It's not a Democrat issue. And just a willingness to say that, that we have Republicans within the party that just don't want to go there, that just don't want to pass that legislation. Some people would be the type to name names. Some people wouldn't. But at the end of the day, if you can't just acknowledge the fact that it is a Republican issue, I think you're going to have more Blowback from grassroots um, individuals, and and then last, just <clears throat> uh, oppose the Bonin rule, and this is another thing. You know, uh, Speaker Bonin has come out recently and basically said that any Republican lawmakers that tried to elect Republicans in those twelve districts, so those twelve districts that Democrats took back, um, any Republican lawmakers who ha- Try to go elect Republicans to replace those seats um, will be punished by the Speaker and and hopefully uh, Speaker Bonin could clarify those issues. Maybe he didn't quite mean what he said, and if he came out and clarified it, that'd be great because then nobody would have to not uh, would have to break the Bonin rule or oppose the Bonin rule. But the reality is, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about if Mitch McConnell said, "Hey, I'm going to punish Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, any of these, John Cornyn, if they go in." Two states that Democrats currently hold and try to elect Republican United States senators. That would be crazy. And when it comes to the fact that so many of us as conservatives are being told that the reason we couldn't pass more conservative legislation was because there weren't enough Republican votes. And now you have a Republican speaker who's seemingly telling Republican lawmakers, you can't go try to get more Republicans within these districts. Um, This is an issue that I think will continue to be brought up over the next several months. And I think lawmakers would do best to make it clear to their constituents that I'm going to run hard for my own reelection. And if I'm in a strong Republican district, I'm going to be in other districts that we can pick up so that we have more Republican votes so that we can pass more of these conservative policies next session. But if you are a conservative activist, and I want you to listen to me, if you're a conservative activist who's frustrated by the session, uh, you are amongst a lot of friends. Most conservatives, in fact. I would venture to say almost every single conservative in the state of Texas is very upset and disappointed by the legislative session. If you know your state representative, what I would encourage you to do is try to have a meeting with them and do your research, make a list of things that you're disappointed in and sit down with them and ask them, can you explain to me why these things did not happen? Can you tell me if you were publicly in support of all of these policies that I cared about. Can you tell me who you think is to blame for the failures to pass these different policies? And you'll get different answers. Um, Some, some of the blame is in the Senate. Some of the blame is in the house. Some of the blame is in the governor's mansion. Some of the blame is in the fact that there's literally not enough votes in some of these chambers to do a couple of the things, but go and meet with them. And I will tell you, you know, you will have, of course, uh, some of you are represented by very shrewd politicians who will dance around and fail to answer your questions directly. But I think many of you would be surprised that you might actually sit down with your state representative and for him to hear your true frustration and to give you a real honest answer. If you do receive a real honest answer, you should be grateful um, for the opportunity um, to be represented and to work alongside Individuals who are willing to address these issues honestly. And if you have somebody who just tries to obfuscate and explain to you why you don't understand that what you got out of the session was phenomenal, then you can make a clear distinction when it comes to a public servant and a politician. Um, but please do that. You know, I see a lot of people on Facebook uh, criticizing their legislators' score on the Texas scorecard or anything. Look, That's what public accountability is for. You should be saying, here is a clear scorecard. That is disappointing. And, um, you know, I wish that my lawmaker was taking better votes. But I also want to encourage you to reach out to that lawmaker and sit down with them and say, hey, can you explain to me? Let's go through these votes. I have the votes printed out. Explain to me why you voted here, why you voted here, why you voted here. And some will be honest with you and some will have the strangest excuses you've ever Heard. But the reality is, if you don't go sit down and talk with them, then you won't ever give them a chance to, to make that explanation. So I would encourage you to do that as well. And with that, we are going to go to a quick word from our sponsor, and then you're going to get a very quick update from Raz Schaefer on the federal level. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, have a blessed day. Guys, our sponsor for today's show is Patriot Academy. PatriotAcademy.com. You have heard me talk about this organization, but um, this truly is for many students a life altering event. Um, I cannot tell you how many 16, 17, 18, 20, 25 year olds that have gone to this leadership program and come out with an entirely new direction for their life. You can go to patriotacademy.com to find out where they do these events, but essentially they take these students and they go through a week of being a legislator. They actually debate in the the Texas House of Representatives, in the uh, Delaware House of Representatives, Idaho House of Representatives. It's an incredible experience. I have been involved with them. I believe in what they do. In fact, if you contact them and tell them that you heard about them through the Luke Macias show, I will contribute toward your uh, fee of actually attending. If you know a student that needs to go, that needs direction for their life, they're going to have an opportunity to learn about worldview about free market economics, about the values that hold society together. And they're gonna have an opportunity to be equipped to be a part of making the change that our community, our state, our nation need. So patriotacademy.com, we're grateful for their willingness to sponsor this podcast. And we also wanna encourage each and every one of you to check them out. Please do so today.
1: All right, guys, this week, I just got one thing for you, and I want to give you a quick rundown on Rand Paul's penny plan that got shot down by the Senate this last week. So he we was killed on a procedural vote. Uh, the they was not able to invoke cloture. You had... Um, It was a 22 to 69 vote. So only 22 Republicans voted to move the bill forward. So you have to pass cloture in order to get to the floor to debate it and then pass or fail. In the Senate, you got to get that 60 vote threshold. So fell well short of that uh, by only having 22 folks uh, vote for it for moving forward. So the question is, why did so many Republicans uh, who have a majority in the Senate, why do they not vote for this? And it's, it's... pretty frustrating uh, that they didn't it's a basically a plan to at its core to cut 2% from the budget annually over the next several years and so what this is going to do is basically cut 11 trillion dollars from the budget over the decade. So as we're seeing our deficit balloon, our deficit so far this year is 58% above what it was last year. And Rand Paul and uh, even a bunch of of conservative senators, uh, Ted Cruz and John Cornyn, both voted to move it forward. They both voted with Rand Paul on this. Uh, but what they're saying is we have to introduce more fiscal sanity. Uh, tax cuts are great, but we also have to do spending reform. And uh, Rand Paul's proposal, it uh, protected Social Security and helped make make that more solvent. It was going to do some things like help expand health savings account and uh, help put, uh, just even had a note in there basically saying that the United States will not be a socialist nation. So he's doing a number of very, very positive things. And we're pretty well flummoxed as far as why so many Republican senators would not sign up for that. And our, my hope is that those of you that live in other States other than Texas, where your Republican senators do not support this bill, you'll call and ask them because I don't think they have a very good answer. Now there are a lot of good, you know, "quote unquote" good guys who uh, regularly vote the right way that were not with us on this vote, and so it's it's very concerning. I think they need to stand up and, and be counted on this and give an answer to why, and uh, and hopefully they'll they'll listen to their constituents and make a better call on this in the future. Um, right now, it's it's really easy to talk about the deficit and spending and how big a problem that is, but when they're faced with the opportunity to do something about that, um, they're not. They're not taking that step forward. Uh, Frankly, my bet is that with a Democrat House, they know it's not going to go anywhere. And so they didn't want to waste the they didn't want to spend the political capital to make a statement. Honestly, I don't buy that, though, because I think that now is the perfect time to make a statement on this issue and say, look, we're going to stand up. We're going to be counted. And you've got to do something about this. Put the Democrats in the position where they're the ones blocking this opportunity to to save uh, to save money to not to spin ourselves further into debt and to put ourselves in a better fiscal situation year after year.
0: Thank you for listening to The Luke Macias Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit lukemacias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter. And visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God
1: bless.